Welcome to the Gold Silver Pros Podcast with Rob Keens, your precious metals podcast for interviews, breaking economic news, and more. Today's episode, $200 Uranium is Very Much Alive, featuring Steve Mueller. Hey everybody, this is Rob Keens with GoldSilverPros.com, and today we're going to get a uranium update. From our good friend Steve Newman, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Rob. It's good to see you, man. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you back on. I know it's probably been a couple of three weeks since we have talked about uranium, and in the meantime, uh, uranium prices come down a little bit. It's in a little bit of a, a correction, which is normal when you see, you know, it go the way it did. There are always dips yep. and runs like that, so I'm not overly concerned. But I thought it'd be a good time to talk about it, and I think you maybe had some intel and some and, th- and thoughts on the market, so. I'm just going to let you take it away and tell us uh, what you got. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, I think the fundamental case is stronger than ever. Um, and the price action is just, you know, like you said, it, it went parabolic and it's come back down. And now mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely at a time where I would encourage, I am encouraging friends and family and, and everybody I know, strangers to, mm-hmm. to accumulate some, because I think they're going to see some pretty amazing gains this year. Um, yeah. And I'm not calling the bottom this week. I, Maybe we've got a good chance of that, but uh, before the end of the year, we're going to see some fireworks. Um, There's some stuff behind the scenes that I'm going to try to go over what I can. Um, Okay. Cool. I'm going to pull up the... uh, uh, And you know, my uh, social media person is going to be super interested in this because she bought your stuff. And so she's, yeah, she's like in uranium. She's like, oh, my stocks are down right now. I need some. I know. I was, I was talking to her last week. I was like, <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, so Kazakhstan um, produces about 43% of the world's uranium. And, uh, you know, the French, Serrano, the, the Canadian Cameco, they all have JVs there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the largest land border in the world between two countries. So you know, Russia was obviously pretty concerned with the, the unrest recently, and, and the, their leader actually invited the Russian special forces to, to come help quell the protests. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, that is still ongoing. Things are still not peaceful. Um, mm-hmm. Banks and infrastructure still not quite back to normal. It's getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we saw, we saw the, the CEO of, of uh, because Adam Prom come out and say, oh, it's all okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to meet our obligations. And then a couple of days later, he's like, oh, well, there's a risk of uh, supply chain disruptions and, and, you know, COVID and, and, you know, and I think people overreacted to this, expecting them to mm-hmm. declare force majeure in a day. Yeah. Uh, and I, that, that wasn't my base case. My, 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 my base case on probability is that in 15 to 18 months, they're just not going to be able to produce everything they thought they were going to. Yeah. And what's the what? What are the main reasons? Just re, restate the main reasons for everybody. For Gazadam problem. Yeah. Um, the countries, you know, it, uh, even it was much bigger than what Canada's got right now with this trucking mm-hmm. thing. Um, a significant portion of the population uh, was very upset because their gas prices got raised. Uh, they use compressed natural gas for a lot of their cars and trucks just to get around. And their average, you know, uh, income is, is 
for a good engineering job with one of the the miners like Gazprom or Kazatomprom or, or whatever, it's $11,000 a year. A lot of these people are living on $600 a month um, and their gas went up 100% um, percentage wise in, in a day. Um, and so that, that kind of pricked the pin of a lot of, I think, anxiety they had about uh, inflation, about a lot of things. Um, maybe there was some uh, foreign interference going on too, kind of taking advantage of the, the tension. I don't know. Uh, and I, I, won't, I won't speculate to that, but I, there, was, there was a lot going on. There wasn't just one thing. There was a lot going on. But it's going to be very hard. Um, just this last week, they fired about half the staff at Kazan Prom. And wow. everybody else that wasn't fired um, got to take a lie detector test. And I'm sorry, that's just not normal business in the, not <laughs> the Western world. I don't think they're going to be able to meet every pound. You're fired, you take a lie detector test. You're fired, you take a lie detector test. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, I think, I think the, you know, I just don't see how they're going to be able to produce 100% of what they had last year. Now, some of that could just be the cost of the acid that they use to leach the uranium out of the ground. Some mm -hmm. of that can be the cost of gas. Some of that's going to be, I think, the availability of workers. You mm -hmm. know, um, some of that is the the government. The new government's already been installed, and they're they're talking about taxing every single commodity. I think, mm -hmm. You know, um, gold, uranium, all of it, copper, um, gas. You know, they produce about 1%, I think, of the world's gas and stuff, too, you know, so, yeah, um, yeah that's, yeah, They're about a million, a little over a million pounds a day, I think, so, um, or a million barrels a day. So, you know, I, I expect they're all, they're all in sustaining costs to rise from, you know, a few dollars to... Mm -hmm to be more in line with the rest of the world. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of you know, new incentivized production, it was thinking, oh, well, we need 55 or 60 to get people mm -hmm. to come online, but we've seen all this inflation for everybody. Um, and I, I think that number is now 70, 75 to be sustained. And mm -hmm. I think you're probably gonna need to hire that into, in order for, the, for them to get financing. So I think we're gonna have to see 80, 85 before any of these new mines uh, get contracted. Um, yeah. So that unrest, you know, had a cost and, you know, there's a lot of uh, different metals that are in a shortage. Mm -hmm. um, yes, but, lots of metals. <laughs> right. I mean, like we've talked about a lot of them. Um, silver, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's going to hit. The next Copper, lead, zinc, I mean, just go down the line. Technically, yeah. they're all, even though they're is. all manifesting in price right now. Uh, projections are over the next three to four years, we're in a massive shortages of everything, especially when you have China building 57 New York cities and not even putting any people in them, you know? Yeah, and, and Africa and, and India growing, continue to grow. You know, I, I think that's a huge thing. So um, this is from Mr. Hune, our friend, and he said, you know, he expects 50 to 87 million pounds shortfall this year. Oh, if you're going to share screen, sorry, we're not seeing it. Oh, goodness. I've been sharing the screen. I'm so sorry. Oh, my apologies. I should have said something earlier. That's okay. I do that all the time. I just kind of wing it and pretend that <laughs> I didn't have anything to put up, right? <laughs> I actually did, but uh, I'm so sorry. Okay. Can you see it now? I can see the flag. Okay. So flag of Kazakhstan. There we go. There we go. And here's here's our map of, of uh, Russia. Here's the border. Kazakhstan. Look, good there's Lord, the look at the border. You weren't joking. No, I, and it's it's impossible, you know. You think they, if they build the Great Wall of China around Kazakhstan, it'll stop an invasion? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I, this might be a good time to go back over. Uzbekistan's right here. Yeah. I don't know if you can see my mouse. Um, and southern Kazakhstan is where most of the uranium comes from. There's, there's some mines in the north, but most of it's in the south. Um, as is the the Russians' Cosmodrome, their their launching pad for their space program. Okay, a question for you, Steve. Is it any yeah. coincidence that that three countries have been in the news the last couple of years that are bordered with Russia, Kazakhstan, Georgia for the pipeline, and now the Ukraine? And I had people on Twitter saying, "Well, it's all the U.S.'s fault." But okay, fine. I know the U.S. is often an aggressor, but look, a lot of the news is around <laughs> these areas that are right around the Soviet Union. So obviously, they have something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in coincidences, and I, I don't know if too many of our, our, our friends in Gold Silver Pros do either, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, it's definitely going to be a security of supply issue. Um, yeah. This was this was the video I had. I, I couldn't get the video low, but there was people robbing banks just to get money out so they could have money to, to eat with. Mm -hmm. there, and there was some crime too, but some of this, I think, I mean, if the bank locks you out and they have your money, I mean, you go in and get it. <laughs> it's very practical. Right. Um, Anyway, so bank yeah. holiday. There is no bank holiday in Kazakhstan. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so Oscar, um, the CEO, uh, had said, "Oh yeah, we've got this, right?" <clears throat> There's this quote, and then he said, "Oh no, we we don't have this." <laughs> <laughs> On second thought, <laughs> oh, you know, supply chains, and you know, I you expect an authoritarian regime and a state-owned uranium company to mm -hmm. say oh it's covid oh it's the supply chain you know they're not going to say oh half our workforce is taking lie detector tests and their half went home because we don't trust yeah. them anymore um mm -hmm. so it's going to be pretty interesting um, <laughs> <laughs> i think over the next 18 months so you know could you imagine that headline and like amazon or tesla you know well, not now that Jeff Bezos owns workforce his own there. media companies now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I, I so some people are predicting as high as uh, 87, 90 million pounds shortfall. Mm -hmm. uh, I think 30, 35 is probably the, the number I'm going to base my base calculations on. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't I don't see that that's avoidable. Mm. Um, nine, 90 would be great, I, but uh, I, I think mm. 30, 35 is going to be enough to to get to the price we need to, to incentivize new mining, um, okay. new production. Um, and I think we'll see that. Um, this was from Bank of America. I think they put this out uh, a couple months ago, but I've talked to some of these miners since. Um, I've talked to, you know, anyway, I've, I've talked to several of these miners and I've been on their calls all their their full cost has gone way up <clears throat> just like just like my business just like everybody else's budget at home it's all gone way up right yeah mm -hmm. um and so i you know it was oh yeah well to get the pounds we need we're gonna have to see 50 or 55 no mm -hmm. it's i think it's in the 70s or 80s now and by the time those contracts are actually signed it may be higher um prince scott made this for me um He's a nice Australian and a fellow fan. He was saying that, you know, we saw commodities couple or decouple from the NASDAQ and from the general stock market um, mm -hmm. back in 2004, five, six, seven. Um, and I think we'll see that again uh, in all commodities. Right now, we're still seeing silver stocks and uranium stocks and all those kind of track the stock market to some degree, right? 
and mm. if the dollar or, or you know treasuries or whatever goes up and down well they certainly haven't certainly haven't separated to the upside that that's for sure no they, <laughs> they have not which has been frustrating um but you know if you look at if you look at uh the mining etf the big one uri and divide it by the price of spot uh, of of the physical commodity they're pretty cheap they're not as cheap as gold miners are mm -hmm. um but they haven't even priced in really you know new production yet um, mm. so i think i think there's a good chance i think we have good probability this year that we see spot price double and we see a lot of these miners even the etfs triple mm -hmm. maybe more um, okay and steve penny made this for us a friend the silver chartist can you see it okay yeah i can see it okay okay there we go is that bigger yeah that's perfect okay sorry learning how to present um and this this actually tracks with the fundamentals i talked to when i talked to guys that you know buy fuel refined fuel or, or working in the mining industry i say you know are there many pounds between 50 and 75 and they're like no there's some pounds you know uh probably for sale between 75 and 100 and then really it's going to take new all-time high prices to to get the hedge funds and family offices to sell the the fuel they have above ground already in you're saying between 50 and 75 it either doesn't incentivize or is not enough it's yeah it's not between 50 and 9 nobody's going to sell it yeah uh, i mean really it's it's just uh, these beckys will sell for 50. um the the olympic dam it's it's a credit out of the copper gold mine in Australia. So they'll sell at 4550. Mm -hmm. But there's there's not any new production that's going to come online between here and 75. So you know, do we see spot price go from Friday it was 4350? Do we see that go to mid-80s this year? I, I think we got a pretty good chance. Um, mm -hmm. I like my odds. So even if you just bought the physical trust from Sprott, but yeah. I think it's going to be a good investment for you. I think you're going to get a lot of leverage to that. Um, and this was another one Steve made, and it was uranium versus oil. So I like to price assets and other assets. Um, uranium versus oil is one. I think I think we see another another break where uranium outperforms oil. And I, I'm pretty bullish oil, but I, I think uranium, um, because you have so much more power per pound come out of it to make electricity, to make heat. Um, I, I think it's going to explode to the upside over the next couple of years. I'm I'm biased, but as um, uranium versus gold, we're still really really low. Um, and this just helps me, like, hey, what are we doing? Are we cheap? You know, because the dollar's been inflated so much, I, I just don't trust the price action in the dollar. Um, but you know, yeah, it's like we don't gold. measure anything in, in dollars anymore. I think about ten years ago, I really started measuring everything in gold. Yeah. Or oil, you know, and those types of things. And that makes or more how sense. many hours of work it was going to take. You sure. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think we go up. Um, Steve was saying we kind of lost support and we're dipping down to the 200 MA and it went, <clears throat> we actually went below the M, the 200 moving day average. Um, but I, I think, I think it's a pretty great buying opportunity right now um because i think we we explode out of the upside of this channel i think we probably see 120 130 urnn this year by the end of the year um and that's it mm. should look i think it's in the 60s right now um so i think 
I think we probably see it double pretty quickly. Uh, so I think it, it popped down below, but I think it's going to pop back up above before the end of the year. So, um, and you've ever done this? I, I'll take the the best miner in the space, whether it's Newmont or, in this case, Cameco, and divide it by the Dow Jones just to see kind of historically where mm -hmm. we are. Uh, I mean, we've we've got to do a six and a half x just to catch up because uh, I, I think the stock market's overvalued and and the commodity miners, you know, are probably oh, overvalued. The stock market is so majorly overvalued. <laughs> Gosh, the presentation I gave for the OTC market was on just the PE ratios or basically high industry. Yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. And in the NASDAQ, it's being held up like by five or six names, while about 40% of them are about one half of what they were a year ago. I mean, the NASDAQ is actually cratering, but you couldn't tell by the index because it's held up by some of the big tech stocks. So you have all yeah. these big tech stocks sitting up here, and the rest of the NASDAQ is just imploding. Yeah. And I went. I bet if I went and analyzed the S&P and Dow, I'd probably come up with a similar or similar type of story. Yeah. Where you've got some, it's probably a little bit less dire in those indexes because they're. I think they're more broad, broadly based. But I don't think you know. Looking at earnings reports, some of the big names are doing okay, and some of the everybody else is not doing so hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's here's some Grant Chalmers, our friend in Australia. He said that uh, he, he's tracking kind of the sentiment, and it got pretty pretty overheated in November, mm. um, and uh, it's come back down. And I think unfortunately, there's probably a lot of retailers that got shaken out by the the price correction. Mm -hmm. um, this is one of the ways I track kind of what retail's doing is is kind of just general internet sentiment. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and. Uh, I think unfortunately it's at a low just at the the perfect time to buy. I think there's probably the least amount of participation. But uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully our friends and Guild Silver Pros can can get in on that action. So I think we're about to see a parabolic move. This is called the Livermore Cylinder on speculations, and he, he Jesse Livermore is probably the most famous investor and speculator I knew of, um, and. I think we're close to seven. I'm not saying this is the bottom, but I think we're near a seven. And, and this year we see the move from seven to eight. So seven to eight to nine to 10. Yeah, yeah. we see that We see that big parabola. This is almost like a subset of Elliott wave analysis. Yeah. You're yeah, looking I at certain, uh, I forget what they call them in Elliott wave analysis, but you have your waves, you have your like uh, sub waves or partial waves. And this looks like a partial Elliott wave to me. Yeah. But if you look at the, the URNM or even the spot price, I. It, it looks a lot like this. Um, mm -hmm. Here's the here's the market cap, uh, and it's you know it jumped up to almost 45, and it's back down now to just about mm -hmm. 35, which is crazy. I, um, who was it lost a hundred dollars in a day after market hours? Was that Netflix? Yeah, Netflix is week? cratering because they're saying investors are. It's one of the first. It's not tech. Stock, although I'd argue it's a tech stock because what they do is this video distribution, but it's one of those darling stocks right. that is one of the first to fall. And I think you're going to see this and more of them. It's because it got so inflated, investors are just coming out looking for the next deal. And yeah. Netflix, it got overinflated. They've been spending literally billions of dollars on content, weren't making a lot of money, and their stock mm -hmm. got inflated. I think you know Tesla's going to be one of those. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably eventually Apple, but 
They yeah. lost more that day in that one single hour of trading after hours. Um, they lost like, I think 38, $39 billion in, in market yeah. value. Oh yeah. Um, that's more the entire uranium space. And you know, you just, you see stuff like that and it's just like, well, that blows my mind. <laughs> Cause you know, we're. Yes. Cause Netflix is so much more important than power generation for billions of people across the world. We have to have our Netflix. But we don't want to value the power generation. No, we don't. We would never do that. That would make entirely too much sense. But yeah, I think the world will start to make sense again. Oh, that doesn't show up very well. <laughs> I, I tweeted um, something from um, a story from Zero Hedge today. I forget where they sourced it, but they were talking about peak rationality in 1980, where you would do a search of words and people would talk about rational concepts like valuation and due diligence. And now it's peak emotional time. You know, yep. so we're in the peak of emotional trend, uh, momentum chasing and investing. And this has got to flip, right? And yep. people are going to go back to rationale. And that's where you don't, you don't value Netflix over uranium or, you know, value Tesla at thousands of times earnings and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm waiting for that to happen. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a pretty massive rotation. I think we're starting to see it. I think we're starting to see a lot of the big money and smart money rotate out of the tech stocks. We're seeing ARC mm -hmm. kind of stumble. We're seeing the Tiger 40 stumble. I think we're going to see more money back, back into but oil. Steve, ARC was such a great idea. It was because she said so. That was the whole investing thesis, because I say so. You know, it worked for a long time, and she's, she's still outgained me the past year. <laughs> Hopefully she sold out at the top. Maxed out her her money. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I I I've got a lot more faith long term in, in companies like Global Atomic. Um, yeah, they've got a zinc company in in Turkey that's making a lot of money, and they've got you know one of the best uranium mines in Africa, Niger. I think China and France are going to get a bidding war over it, and I think we see this ten or eleven times its share price. Now, this is Canadian dollars, by the way. It's at it's at three something. Uh, it goes at two forty something in American dollars this last week. But, you know, it just, it went up from 475, 480, I think, when Steve Finney called the top on it to, to you know, now $3. But I expect it to be at 35 here in two years, three years, you know. Um, <clears throat> there's not too many of those companies where you can, you can have a lot of faith that they're going to be 10 baggers. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the gold miners, a lot of the uranium miners, I think, I think are uh, think maybe looking at that. So, and that's just one example. There's a lot of good companies, but uh, the chart was so pretty, I had to put it in. So, yeah. Hope you help. Cool. Yeah, man. So, what uh, what else can I cover for us? Um, just go back to the original thesis a bit. For those of you who haven't been watching the Uranium series, Steve and I started this, I don't know, three or four months ago, Steve. I think it was after the last conference we had in August. Mm -hmm. um, you, st you started to make the bull case for Uranium before it really started to pop and then it popped. And then we've been kind of following it, but we haven't done an update in a while. And I know that you do so much research on your own, but you're very well connected to a lot of companies, to a lot of investors and analysts. And so it's great to bring you on because you always have so much information. So let's just talk about, you know, but reset it for anybody who hadn't watched the series. What is the bull case for uranium? But basically just that uh, it's, it's really the only commodity that I can name that is below its cost of production. 
mm-hmm. is it being produced um, and has a supply deficit? And I think that comes to a head this year. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think people are going to have to finally, finally start paying up. And those, those utility companies, they have multi-billion dollar power plants that you know, underlie our grid. And without them, you have what Germany has. Nine days after they turned it off, they started having blackouts and brownouts in Berlin. Oh, this is absolutely brilliant. So they turned down <laughs> half of their nuclear capacity at once and more. Are they going to run it off? And they don't want uh, Russian gas. Are they going to run Russian. it off of what? All that Russian they have in Germany, not, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is just as I, I understand the move towards quote unquote green energies because this is, you know, a progressive thing that they want. And I yeah. get it, but it's so stupid when you don't have the infrastructure and the proven sources of energy to do this. I don't care what your agenda is. Yeah. And, and look, a lot of what's going on with Ukraine and Georgia and all that stuff and what and the stupid decisions that Europe is making on their energy is playing into the hands of Russia, but it's increasing geopolitical conflict. This is what happens when you have idiot. I'm going to go off on a rant here for a second. This Good. is what happens when you have idiot politicians making decisions for agenda items that are not feasible not only do you starve your economy of needed power during the middle of winter which is stupid you know and it affects your industry during an era i don't know when we're having supply chain shortages already but then you play into the whole geopolitical situation with russia and you give them power over you this is immensely stupid and i don't know what the hell the idiots who are, you know, all the politicians in Europe are thinking, but they're idiots. You don't do this. Just for political reasons, you don't turn off your uranium because you've already got an issue on the power front having to do with natural gas, having to do with oil, and now you turn off your uranium because you have people in in their Congress and in their government that thinks, oh, we're just going to get rid of all fossil fuels and magic fairy dust we're going to sprinkle magic Harry Potter fairy dust on it, and we're going to figure out how to power our industries, and everybody's going to be okay. Nobody's going to freeze to death. Yeah, it's idiotic. It's idiotic on every possible count you can have. Not only, not not to mention the fact that, as you have you've demonstrated on this program before, that uranium is actually very clean. There's been so talk a little bit about the improvements that have been made in cleaning up, you know, the reactors and, and the waste and stuff. Yeah. It- we're getting pretty close to where there's actually no no waste at all. I mean, yeah. this, there are going to be spent fuel rods, but we can blend them back into new types of fuel with mm-hmm. the newer types of reactors uh, that run a little higher enrichment. And and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a nearly perfect solution. It's definitely the best we have. Um, so, in other words, the industry has figured out how to address a problem with idiot politicians getting involved. <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining that the free market. free market. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that that that's probably the bull case for all commodities, but especially so for uranium is is the uh, the idiocy of of many governments, not not just any one, but many governments is is going to make us very very rich because the, you know they've been stuck on stupid and uh, yeah they're going to have to pay the price, but they're going to have to pay us to to undo their mistakes, right? Well, okay, so. Talk about competitors. You got coal, which is a big one. It can be brought online, but you've got China basically saying they have to get out of it because of the pollution. Mm-hmm. Of course, China didn't do a great job regulating and making coal as clean as possible. It's part, partly their fault, but even, but they still can't have more coal. So China's going full on in nuclear right now, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, they're they're looking to spend about five hundred fifty billion between now and twenty thirty five. Uh, and you know we're looking at the EU. They just came out with the EU taxonomy, 
uh, we're thinking they probably bring on uh, probably another 450-ish billion. So we're looking at a trillion dollars from just two governments yeah. over the next couple of years. And you cannot turn off nuclear in the U.S. because it's actually a much higher percentage of baseload than people know. And going right. back to February of last year when we had the snowmageddon in Texas, you had the freezing gas wells and all that stuff. And what had happened in Texas was there's so many people moving here. Our baseload requirements have gone bazonkers. Uh, sure. Texas is growing by leaps and bounds. And instead, we tried to do wind farms and solar. But the problem is during bad weather, the windmills were freezing up, the wind generation, and the solar wasn't working because it's gloomy and there's no sun. And so all of a sudden, they're like, oh, gee, it doesn't work during bad weather. Now, typically, Texas has traditionally pretty good weather. But even so, when I had solar panels on my roof, you would get, during the middle of the summer, five good hours of solar power. But right. people pulling electricity off the network 24 hours. So wind and solar aren't going to work. You have to have some base load. Yep. And so in Texas, what's happened is we haven't replaced or increased our base load with reliable power like nuclear, natural gas or coal. And we paid the price during the winter when it got really cold. Not only that, but a lot of people don't know this. We had rolling brownouts in North Texas and probably elsewhere, but I just know North Texas because I live here during the summer when it got over 100 degrees and they kept telling us it's the grid it doesn't have enough power and they had to basically go install more power very close to where i live within about 10 miles of where they lived they had to increase baseload the summer because you yep. couldn't you know people couldn't air condition their office spaces so you know anyway so this is going on everywhere but nuclear really is the only answer if you want to get off fossil fuels yep, yep. um I heard an internet rumor that I haven't been able to confirm. So I don't want to pass it on as uh, gospel, sure. <laughs> but I, I don't want to not share it because I, I think I want, I want all my friends and family and, and, and fellow goals of pros to be prepared. Um, I think there's a pretty strong possibility. Cameco's MacArthur river comes back online. Um, and I think they'll announce it at their February 9th meeting. Um, we've heard a lot of CEOs. I've heard five CEOs in the last two weeks tell me about how the, the term contracting's come way up um, because of Kazakhstan and because of security supply and because the spot market's getting tight. And so uh, I think they've probably found 4 million pounds worth of contracts, which is what they need to open it. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And they've probably done it at 60, $65 a pound. Um, we won't know those numbers until a couple of quarters after and it's kind of disclosed in their, in their uh, K10s, 10Qs, their financial disclosures, right? Like that's, that's how we kind of backwards and math it. But uh, it's an 18 million pound a year potential mine, but they can, they can do as little as four and, mm -hmm. and be profitable if they have the right contracts. And I think they do. I think they announced that here in, in less than two weeks. Um, and I'm afraid what will happen is the prices of a lot of these companies will go down because the market will misinterpret that as, oh, there's no supply crunch. When they should hear it and they should hear, oh, MacArthur River is starting back online. The bull market has started for reals, mm. right? And so I think, I think a lot of people will do the wrong thing as a, a knee-jerk reaction for a couple of days and lose money. And so... Uh, that's why I'm not calling the low today because I think I think Cameco might come out and say something 
I'm not impressed with their corporate communications. They, they kind of stick their foot in their mouth a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think I think they'll probably come out and they'll they'll try to say, hey, good news for us, we've got some contracted pounds, and and yeah, good for them. Um, and instead of their share price going up, or instead of the industry share price, industry stock market cap going up, I, I think it might go down. And I think, man, that's going to be one heck of a buying opportunity. So look for that. Um, I don't know that's true. I just I think it's but I think it's probably true. <laughs> Steve, what do you say to people who we've had a little bit of a downturn normal? We always had pullbacks yeah. in market cycles. Yeah. It never goes up in a straight line. What do you say yeah. to people who are a little bit frustrated with that? Because we had that big boom in uranium. We don't think it's the big, big boom. We think it's just no. telling us we're in a bull market, but some people got frustrated by that, you know, not seeing that straight upward line. So what are your, what are your recommendations for people? Uh, just, just revisit the, you know, the bull case that we, we don't have enough pounds. We can't get enough pounds. I mean, all these mines are going to take two years at least, you know, to to get them back open or longer. To get them open and new stuff can take seven to ten years, especially with permitting, exploration, building mines, transportation. Right. You know, but that's and, so far left part of the supply chain, getting it out of the ground. That's also a huge concern because of all the growth and need for power. Right. You know, you mentioned China. We mentioned China. These other people bringing on, you know. And further, I think, Steve, I think that projections right now don't necessarily even take into account how wind, solar, and hydrothermal and geothermal are not going to be able to support the baseload requirements going forward. Right. Not any one of those, not that we want to demonize any one of those. Like I said, I had solar panels on my roof for years. I love the power it gave me, but they're just not sufficient for baseload. And so right. all of this hype around this green revolution and, and relying on that you know, either it's it's hours of day you can get out of it, like solar, or wind doesn't always blow. We've experienced that in Texas, or hydrothermal and, and geothermal. There's limited areas you can actually pipe that in and actually get it. So the availability of some of these alternative, you know, uh, energy sources for baseload power that people think are going to be, you know, the the future of energy generation, it's not enough. You know. Right. It, it really, and it will never be enough. You'll have to always have something else providing baseload power. And I think we don't even know the ramifications of all this policymaking around moving to those green energies that's that's not even rolled out yet. And and the projections that they're using and their estimates that the that you know the the think tanks and the analysts that are not going to come true but Steve, that the politicians are making decisions on. So I right. think it's even more so in the next three to five years as we begin to move into this new phase of green energy revolution that it actually exacerbates the problem and makes it worse. And what's going to happen is people aren't going to invest at the far left of the supply chain in the mines and you can't turn them up right away, like you said. Even if you don't want on maintenance, it takes a couple of years. And even if you fast track permits, you know, it's, it's the physical process of getting everything ready. And the mines that we have, you know, the exploration dollars may not be going into. So that, you know, that's sort of the hidden, you know, beneath the surface risk here that governments are going to be facing, people are going to be facing, you know, in energy that I think is even more so going to manifest in stuff like uranium. And I think it's going to bring coal back. It's going to bring natural gas back. All those prices are going to rise. Right, right. Yeah, this is, this was just an early, early innings. I mean, 
we went parabolic for a minute and there was just traders going to trade, you know, and they yeah. traded it back down and that's fine yeah. because they had, they had year in profit. So I wanted to take to show that, you know, they got certain numbers and, and whatever. And we got definitely stretched on the RSI and that makes a lot of those hedge funds and big money uncomfortable when you're, you know, sitting in an RSI 75 or 80. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot more of that this year. Um, it's going to be pretty enjoyable. Um, but I'm definitely not selling any of my shares of anything until we're above the price of what it takes for a new mine to start. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I have to be, and it has that'd be, be like selling silver at $4. I mean, like, no, and it has I know to it costs them $18 to make it, you know, yeah. like what you don't sell it at 12. You don't sell and it, it has to be sustained. It can't just go up and stop. That's not how this works. Mining takes a long time Correct. and it's extremely capital intensive. That price is going to have to go there and stay there. Right. Right. And yeah. For quarters, for quarters, not just a week or a month. Yeah. Quarters. Yeah. So real quick, what about Thorium? I've been following Thorium for a long time. You have Slive who had this idea of doing the molten salt reactor, super safe. Yeah. We know uranium's yeah. a lot safer now. It used to be, but uranium's going to run out. We have much more Thorium. We have uranium, to be honest with you. Sure. And with yeah. uranium, you know, also being used for other things in the military, it's gotten the lion's share of the attention because you can militarize it. And you can use it for power generation. We already had that power generation technology. Do you think thorium ever, ever starts to become a replacement? Think you know, palladium became a replacement for platinum all of a sudden. Right. Do you think thorium eventually becomes a replacement for uranium. You know, any time in the foreseeable future. Um, a replacement? No, because the thorium reactors need uranium to run. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so a not good a point. Replacement. It's kind of like the starting process has to be uranium, right? The uh, uh, but the technology and the commercialization of it, and uh, it's just it's not going to be there till I, I don't know anybody that, that can tell me reliably or on record that it's going to be there. But you know, twenty thirty five, twenty forty. I mean, yeah, not anytime soon. <clears throat> It'll be yeah. more for our kids than it will be for you or me. <laughs> I agree with you. Hopefully, we have enough uranium and natural gas and coal, and they don't. They don't shut everything down that we have electricity and we can do these videos for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Otherwise I'll have to find something else to do for a living. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, you know, people ask me about fusion. I've, I've, I've talked to the scientists doing the fusion research in Chicago and emailed them and I was like, you know, how, how close are we guys? And they're like, oh, we're making good progress. I'm like, okay. So, you know, what year? I'm like, oh, it's going to be a couple of decades. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember so, when I was in junior high. So this is probably, late 80s yeah late 80s 87 88 when they were talking about fusion and fission and all of this stuff came out about how we think we've cracked the code oh my god that was 32 33 years ago yeah. and we still have not really cracked that code so i think people need to understand when we're talking about these futuristic scenarios they never occur as quickly we can write about them we can write books about them you know isaac asimov can can write books and, you know, we can all talk about how great it's going to be to live that Jetsons future. But it honestly takes a lot longer than people think. I mean, they've been talking about both fusion and fission for ever since I was a kid, probably even a lot longer than that. Oh, yeah. But in popular media, since I was a kid, even before we had the Internet, I was hearing this on the radio. We've got to break through fission. We've got to break through fusion. And then 30 years later, we're still not using it, right? No, I, I mean, I would love to see the investment from every nation there and for it to get there just as quickly as possible. We need more energy of all types, but I, do. I don't, I don't see it happening in the next couple of years. Anyway, <laughs> so. We need another 
Nikolai Tesla to tell us how to do free energy. That's the solution. Where, where is like generation's it. Tesla? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, thank you so much for popping on. Uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your yeah. busy life and your family time here on a Sunday to do this. We're going to put this on the program this week. It'll be a couple of days before we get it out, but we definitely wanted to get it out. But I think it's a good time to talk about it. Uh, new information there is very important, but also just reiterating the story around uranium and why it's important. When you're in one of these bull markets, especially early on when everybody's not talking about it, it's easy to get distracted and go play with momentum stuff, whatever's the momentum right now. But remember, as those momentum markets get long in the tooth, we start to see pullbacks like we're seeing in Netflix and the NASDAQ and things like that, signs. Yep. And you need to look for your next investment thesis. And what do you do? You buy when stuff is cheap, when it's out of favor, but it has a really good case. And I think, Steve, you made that case you ran multiple times, but it's good to have you back on just to kind of reiterate, maybe reach. Yeah, I think I think the time is finally now, though. And then I, we yeah. can say it's within 12 months, you know, uh, which is, you know, imminent. You know, it's nice. Yeah. Um, and in the, yeah, in the investment world, that is considered imminent. In fact, that's considered yeah. extremely fast. So. <laughs> All right, Steve, thank you so much for the update. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you back on the program every once in a while just to talk more about this. All right, buddy. Anytime. All right. Thank you for listening to the Gold Silver Pros podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time.